Let's turn Bible this morning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 5, Luke chapter number 5, and I will read a few verses of scripture this morning, Luke chapter number 5. Uh, I am going to uh, take my text this morning from a familiar uh, passage of scripture, a familiar story. I imagine there have been thousands of sermons preached from this text uh, through uh, the years, and I've preached several from this text, I'm going to preach another one this morning. Uh, but Luke chapter number 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 18, and we'll read down through verse number 26. Luke chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 18. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what, they, what way they thought, what way they might bring him in because of the multitude... They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And then notice verse 26. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. This morning, I want to preach from this passage of Scripture on this subject, a most unusual day, a most unusual day. Father, I pray this morning, as we look into the Word of God, may the Holy Spirit of God work in our hearts. May He be our teacher, our instructor. Father, may he encourage where we need to be encouraged. May he convict uh, where we need to be convicted. And fathers, one lost this morning, one unsaved. May they realize their need of salvation. May they trust you uh, today. Uh, Bless our time remaining. Bless the service uh, as it continues. I pray that you'll bless the preaching of the word of God. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A most unusual day. This certainly... Uh, was a day that uh, was unlike any other. And as I look at this familiar passage of Scripture once again, and uh, we look at verse number 26, uh, and they were all amazed. Uh, And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Imagine what they had witnessed and imagine what they had seen. Imagine how unusual that day ended up being. Uh, the, the congregation, the multitude had gathered together. They had followed the Lord Jesus Christ into a home. Whenever he taught and whenever uh, he began to, uh, in his earthly ministry, the crowds always followed the Lord Jesus Christ. He enters into this home and he begins to teach, as I'm certain he did many times before this and times after. And the crowd began so great that it filled up the home. 
Then the crowd gathered on the outside and those that could uh, listen and see through a window would do that and uh, those that would press against to try and get a glimpse or to hear just a little bit about what was going on inside that house. And we find the story this morning of a man, the scripture tells us, that uh, was sick. He was with a palsy. He, he had no way for, to get to Christ, but there were those that would take him to the Lord Jesus that day. Now, we don't know much about those that would bring them. The scripture does not give us the names of these individuals, but we know that they brought this man, and perhaps they had just heard of what Jesus was able to do. And so they brought this individual, and when they got to where Jesus was, they could not get to him. The crowd was too great for them to get through. And that's how we know it was probably a Baptist congregation because nobody gave up their seat that day uh, so that a visitor could get to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said amen right there. Uh, And so they brought this man to the Lord Jesus, but they could not get in to see him. But they were not uh, thwarted that day. They went up to the roof of the house. They began to break through the roof so they could lower this man down to see the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll go a little bit more in detail as the the, the message progresses, but we know that the Lord heals the man. We find in the midst of this story, we find uh, the critic, and there's always a critic uh, when God is doing something. Uh, But verse 21, who can forgive sins but God alone? Sometimes I wish these critics would just listen to themselves talk it would give them the answers that they're looking for. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, there's your answer. Uh, This is God who is forgiving the sins. And even in the midst of of criticism, of course, Christ does His miracle. And and can I just say, Christian, as you grow in your Christian life, there may be people around you that they want to criticize things. They may want to point out the errors, the supposed errors of things. And there's Always Bible deniers today. Let me just remind you, it did not stop Christ from doing what he intended to do that day. And we find this amazing thing taking place. Verse 26 kind of summarizes it. And they were all amazed. Wouldn't that be amazing to see? First of all, be able to hear Christ teach. You'd never forget that. To hear him, to see him, to witness him with your own eyes and with your own ears. What, 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 a, what a thought. And as the song was sung just a few moments ago, aren't you looking forward to being able to see him and hear him and be in his presence? But the people that day, they saw him. They heard him. That was amazing in itself. The crowd that had gathered to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, the roof. Imagine being in that house and you hear a commotion on the roof. And as the roof is taken apart, you see men begin to lower a, a sick man down through the roof into your midst. That would be pretty amazing. That'd be something that you didn't see all of the time. But then you witnessed the miracle that the Lord Jesus performed there in that living room. Where this man 
who was sick, this man who could not get there on his own, this man who had to be lowered down from the roof to get into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus heals him, and he picks up his bed, and he doesn't go back up through the roof. He walks out of the house being healed. How amazing would that be to witness? And we find the the summation in verse 26. They were all amazed. Certainly we know there were critics there, those Pharisees who said, Who has a right? Who? What blasphemy to say thy sins be forgiven? That we know there were critics there. But I don't believe there were all critics there. The scripture tells us that after they were amazed, they begin to glorify God. When somebody began to shout, somebody got excited about what God had done. They begin to praise the Lord Jesus. They begin to glorify Him. And when you witness something amazing, isn't that just a natural response for a believer? Is just to glorify God? Now, this is a whole message in itself, and I'll summarize it in about 30 seconds here. Uh, don't be the critic. Be the one glorifying God. Uh, don't be the one sitting there, well, I know that Lord's blessing. I know all this progress, but... Don't be that individual. Well, if you, if you really, if your heart is in tune to what God is doing and you're paying attention to the miracle of God, you can't help but be amazed. And then you can't help but glorify. Imagine that scene in your mind, if you will, the amazement at what they had seen. An unusual event. Somebody lowered from the roof into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. As amazing as that was, that was nothing compared to what Christ did. Pick up your bed and go home. And the man was healed. And they glorified God. They were amazed. Then they glorified Him. And aren't you thankful that God reminds us through Scripture that people on the pages of Scripture were human just like we are? And we need to be, we be reminded of that. People that God used, that we read about, they had, they, had, they had failures just like you and I have failures. They have weaknesses just like you and I have weaknesses. They have moments of doubt just like you and I have moments of doubt. But God lets us know and reminds us that they were just people too. Because after they were amazed, then they begin to glorify God. Look at your scripture in verse 26, and we're filled with fear. What does all this mean? I've never seen anything like this happen before. What did I just witness? Well, they're caught up in the moment of it. Look at what's going on. The, 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 the roof is being torn apart. A man is being lowered. And all of a sudden, can you imagine placing yourself there? It would almost be moving quickly, but almost in slow motion. I mean, why is somebody coming through the roof? And then you hear the cynic, the critic, and then Christ says, Hey, get up, go home. And then you watch a, a sick man get up. Now, bear in mind, these were people who had just gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ. They began to glorify Him, and then they got afraid. What did I just witness? What did I just see? What does it all mean? Well, when God begins to work and God begins to move, it's hard for us sometimes to even comprehend what God is even doing. And then it's all summed up. 
there's another confirmation that this was probably a group of Baptist people. They left church that day. We have seen strange things today. God did a work that was amazing. They glorified him. Then they got filled with fear. Not even fully understanding what God was doing. And it was a strange day. It was a most unusual day. I want us to look at several things that took place during this event. Then I have a concluding thought that I want to give us this morning. We see, first of all, in verse number 18, we see the man. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with a palsy. Certainly, this story centers around the Lord Jesus Christ. It always centers around the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where our attention is brought. That's the focus of what we see this morning. But I want to remind you of what was the center of the attention of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a man. A man who was taken with a palsy. This was a helpless man. This was a man that could not get to Jesus on his own. This was a man that had no ability to get to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a man that perhaps in his sickness and in his condition, maybe he had heard somebody talk about Jesus. Maybe he had heard of what Christ could do, but he had no way himself to get to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, can I just make a quick analogy this morning? Weren't you and I the same way? Weren't you and I, weren't we, we sick with the sin that, that we, we are so prone to commit? We are sick with the, the nature that we have this morning, but, but we were helpless without Him. We couldn't, we couldn't get to Him. Somebody took us to Him. This was a sick man. Can you imagine how hopeless this man must have been? There's so many great truths in here, but let me just interject this one as well. I notice there's something that's absent when we talk about this man and those that took him to the Lord Jesus Christ. The man didn't fight being taken there. He allowed himself to be taken to the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many lost men today fight a saved loved one who tries to get them to the Lord Jesus I wonder how many who, they may be saved, but they're away from the Lord Jesus. They need a miracle in your life, and they're angry and they're bitter at the, the very one who could do the miracle for them. But he was a helpless man. He was a hopeless man. He was a man that was dependent on others to get him to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to focus on this man because Christ did do a miracle that day. And while the scripture we read this morning is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and He is the center of our story this morning, we find the miracle in the life of the man. Friend, let me this morning just remind you as your pastor, as God does a great work, as God does a work that we can all say, I'm amazed by it. I haven't seen God move in this way before. Look at what God is doing. Let us not forget that there's a man with real needs. There's a man with real problems. There's a man who without Christ has no hope, 
has no future. And in the greatness of what God does. In the bigness of what God does. Let us not let that overshadow the fact that the miracle that takes place is about a man with needs, is about a man uh, who is in sorrow, is about a man who is helpless and hopeless. But we see, first of all, on this most unusual day, we see the man. Second of all, I want us to notice the method. Behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. They sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. I mean, they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitudes. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with this couch into the midst before Jesus. The method, how did the man get to the Lord? Well, you find others carried him in. The analogy here is very simple. The, The analogy here is plain enough for all of us to see it. Somebody had to get the man to the Lord Jesus. Somebody had to be the instrument used so that the miracle could be done. And we find there were others that were willing to carry him in. Now, I, know, I don't know anything about those that carried him in, but I imagine they were a lot like the people, a lot like the multitude that gathered around that house that day. I imagine they had some interest in what Christ was saying. I imagine they probably needed a miracle of their own. I imagine they would have liked to have a front row seat looking at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a man who needed him. There was a man who had a need. And they put his need above their own needs. And the method that this man getting to the Lord Jesus Christ was there were others who were concerned and caring enough about him to get him to the Lord Jesus. Oh, how we need this in the day we live in today. Oh, how we need to be reminded that there are men who need the Lord Jesus Christ and how is God going to do a miracle in their life? Well, the method is very simple. Somebody's got to care enough to get him in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to care enough to put their own needs aside for a little while and say, there's something that Christ can do. They're in a greater need than I am. I want to do something and have a part in getting him before the Lord Jesus Christ. Others carried him in. I find a quick observation in this passage of Scripture that it was not convenient for them. The sea of people did not part when they arrived with a man on a stretcher. They had to use unconventional means to get him in the presence of the Savior. I wonder, I wonder this morning if the individuals in our text who brought this man to the Lord Jesus Christ who no doubt had to carry him some distance to get him to the house, but then had to push through a sea of people, climb on top of the house while carrying this man in a stretcher, then begin to break the roof apart so that he could be lowered down. I wonder this morning in Christian Let us ask yourself this question and then let the Holy Spirit of God work in our life as He should work in our life this morning if those men had our dedication. 
would he have ever got to Jesus? If those men had our determination, would he have ever got to Jesus? If those men had our faith, would he have ever got to Jesus? Friend, this morning, let's let the Holy Spirit of God speak to us. We find a method, and the method is this, that God uses people to bring people into his presence. God lets allowed men to bring this sick man into the presence of God, and they were determined, and they were dedicated, and they went above the extra mile, they went the extra way, so that he might get in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find the man this morning, we find the method. But I also want to point out the means thirdly this morning. Verse number 19 again, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Notice verse number 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, no doubt this man who is going to be healed had to have some faith. We find at the end of our text, he picks up his bed and he goes home. It took faith for him to take that step. But verse number 20 is very revealing and is very specific. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. We've seen the man so far this morning, the man sick with the palsy, the man who was unable to get to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the man who, had, who was in great need. We've seen the method that God has used. God has used other men who were dedicated and determined to get this individual to Christ. The means was their faith. What was it that moved the heart of the Lord that day? It was their faith, not just the man's faith, their faith. I believe if I get him to Jesus, he'll be healed. How, can I put it like this? Their faith was such that in their own mind as their strength began to be exerted and, and, and they maybe got a little exhausted as they carried this man to the house. They lifted this man on top of the house. They lowered this man in the house Maybe in their own mind they said, we just have to have enough energy to get him there. Because we don't have to have any energy to get him home. We just have to battle to get him in the house. We don't have to worry about taking him out of the house. They had enough faith that if they got this man to the Lord, he would do a miracle, he would do a work, the man would not be, need to be carried home, he would just need to get in the presence of God. I wonder, Christian, if miracles depended on your faith, would there be a miracle? Pastor, I need a miracle in my home. What about your faith? If it depends on your faith, is the miracle going to take place? See, we like to depend on the faith of our pastor. We like to depend on the faith, of, uh, the faith of our parents. We like to depend on the faith of somebody else. When God looks at our faith, 
and He is moved by our faith. He is moved by the faith that we have in what He can do and the ability that He has. Friend, this morning, if it was dependent on your faith, would Emmanuel Baptist Church have the miracles that they need? If it was dependent on your faith, would your home see the miracles that they need? If it was dependent on your faith, would any lost person ever trust Christ as their Savior? Would God ever be able to do the miraculous if it was dependent on your faith moving Him? I'm convinced the same way you move the heart of God today is the same way it was moved on the pages of Scripture. The same way. They had faith that God would do a miracle. There's too many Christians, too many Christians today that do not have faith in their God like they should have faith in Him. There are too many Christians that, 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 that bank on the faith of somebody else and, and, and the faith of, of another brother or sister in Christ and we'll depend on that. And friend, this morning, let's look at this collectively as the Emmanuel Baptist Church. We, God has done miracles for us and we want Him to continue to do miracles in the future. If, if it was just depending on your faith in God, would a miracle ever be done? See, God can see their faith. He can see their hearts. Could he not? But he also saw their actions. He saw what was in their heart just as today he sees what's in the heart of every individual here. Not only does he know you as your own, as his own if you're saved, he knows your, what's in your heart as far as your faith. He knows how full you came in this morning. He knows how empty you came in this morning. He knows where your level of faith is this morning. He can see your heart just as he can see the heart of the men in the story. But he also sees your actions. He could see the faith in their heart. It had been displayed in their effort to get the man there. See a lot of Christians would have had faith enough to get him to the outside of the multitude. Some Christians would have had faith enough to press through the crowd. But not all Christians would have had enough faith to drag this man on top of the roof and lower him down. How is your faith? Oh, pastor, when is God going to do the miracle I need? He might be waiting on your faith. Well, God knows my heart. Yes, He knows your heart. Let me tell you what moves the heart of God. That faith being displayed. That faith in action. That faith on display for not only God to see, but for all of the world to see. What is not in the scripture, but we can just suppose because people back then are the same as people today. They're probably saying some in their mind saying, what in the world are they doing? Why in the world are they going through that trouble? They're going to exert all that energy and go through all that trouble, and they're not even going to be able to get into the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do they know that he's even capable of doing what they want him to do? But yet, they kept pressing on. Yep, when they got to the crowd and they couldn't get him inside, that didn't stop them. They took him up on the roof. They broke the roof apart. They lowered him in. Their faith 
move the heart of God. Their faith is why God began to move. Christian, this morning, if it's dependent on your faith, is there going to be a miracle? Well, it's in my heart. God wants to see it on display. It's one thing to say that God can do something for me. It's another thing to act on it as if He will. It's one thing to believe in your heart that God will provide for my family. It's another thing to write out that tithe and that missions offering and that gift to building projects and give to the work of God. See, I'm I'm convinced and this will be very uh, relevant to us today in, in the situation we're in building buildings and going to build more in the future. I believe God wants it all to be done to His honor and glory. He could do it just in an instant, but He wants to see your faith. Not just the faith of the pastor, not just the belief of the pastor. He wants to see your faith this morning. Well, I believe God can do it. Act it out. I believe God can provide for my family. Give like He should. I believe God can... Do a miracle. Well, act like it's already done. He saw their faith, not just in theory, but in practice. How many Christians live a life of faith only in theory? You believe the Bible when you see the faith displayed. Let's talk about your own life. If it was all dependent on the faith that God saw you display would it move the heart of God there's many of you you could get somebody to Christ but you just don't have the faith to do it there's many you could be involved in a miracle you just don't have the faith to do it Christ saw their faith he saw their labor it was obvious by their labor they believed that God was going to do something. How many Christians don't labor because they really don't believe that God will bless that labor? I'm, I'm out of time. Let's look fourthly at the message in verse 22 and 20 through 24. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. The message is this. We've seen the man. We've seen the method. We've seen the means. Now the message is the ability of God. He's shown his ability. He's shown who he is. He was showing the Jew that day that he was the Messiah. He was revealing the power of God. He was revealing His ability to heal those that were physically sick. And friend, I still believe that God still has that ability. Well, how come He doesn't? Let's go back to the previous point. Maybe He's just waiting on your faith to be acted out. He still has the ability. He was showing, I have the ability. And He perceived what was in their hearts in He asked the question, what is easier for me? What's easier? Thy sins be forgiven or rise and take up thy bed and walk. Then he pauses and looks to the man and says, pick up your couch 
and go home. And he did. The message is very simple this morning, and I'm out of time. It's the ability of God to heal physically, but also spiritually. He still has the ability because he's still God. And just as Christ in that day could say, thy sins be forgiven thee, it's through Christ today that our sins are forgiven. He still has the ability to heal, not just physically, and we praise the Lord for physical healing, but he has the ability to heal spiritually. Now, I'm out of time. My conclusion is this. We find in verses 18 through 25 and verse 26, we find a most unusual day. We find an unusual miracle. We find an unusual story because we have a man with a great need. But we had other individuals that God was going to use as the method to get this man into his presence. Then we saw the means of God doing the miracle. He saw their faith. And when he saw their faith in action... Then it moved his heart. And then we find that Christ performed the miracle. He healed this man and he gets up and goes home. What an amazing day. What a day to glorify God. What even a day that the evidence of the power of God is so real that it even puts a little bit of fear into our heart because you see and have seen firsthand the greatness of God. That is definitely a most unusual day. But don't miss this one Additional truth, verse number 18, very quickly, and behold, men brought in a bed, amen. In verse 25, and immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Here's the ultimate picture of before and after. Before the miracle, he was brought in. After he walked out on his own power. What a great picture in the life of this man of what God can do. He was sick to where he had to be carried in. God does the miracle. He walks out on his own power. See you later. I'm going home. I'm a new man. I've got a, I've got a new life. I've got a hope now that I did not have before. I've got a future that I didn't think I could have. And when Christ did his work, there's a before where the sick man had to be brought to him. But the after is the man gets up and on his own power and ability walks out with a miracle being done. Imagine the before and after in your own life. If God could see your faith. If you would labor like these men labored. Imagine what would take place in the life of somebody you know and you care about. If you would be the means. If you would be the method that God would use to get them to Him. If you'd be willing to labor and give up some time. If you'd be willing to invest financially and with your own time and your own ability 
into getting other people to God. Imagine the before and after that could take place. There's too many Christians wishing on a star that somebody will get saved. There's too many Christians wishing that the world would just improve. And we have a picture in Scripture that says that we must labor, we must have faith, and if our faith is played out in our own life and in the life of others, it will move the heart of God and somebody will get up and walk. Don't depend on somebody else's labor as a Christian. You labor. Don't ride on the coattails of somebody else's faith. Where's your faith? I'm thankful for the miracles that we've seen. I'm thankful for the privilege of going on your behalf as your pastor to God. I'm thankful for that. But there's some situations I believe in my own heart. God's not looking at the faith of your pastor. He's looking at your faith. While he'll honor and respect the labor of somebody else, he's looking at your labor. How much time are you willing to invest in prayer? Christian, let me me illustrate this real quick and we'll be done. I want you to be able to take a burden and bring it to your pastor and lay it on his shoulders and say, Pastor, would you go to God on behalf of my situation? Would you go to God on behalf of a need I have? Would you go to God on behalf of a need of somebody that means something to me? I want you to do that. I want you to know that you can do that. But This is not what God intends. He never intends for you to bring your burden to your pastor and say, Pastor, would you go to God on my behalf and lay it on his shoulders? Then walk away, leaving the burden on his shoulders, depending on his labor, depending on his faith. No, God gives you a pastor to co-labor with you. God gives you a pastor to shepherd with you. God gives you a pastor, yes, to bring that burden and say, Pastor, can I put this on your shoulders? Can you go to God on my behalf? Can you go to God on behalf of my loved one? Can you go to God on behalf of this need that I have? And after placing that burden and allowing your pastor to labor and allowing your pastor's faith to take hold of that burden, but he wants you and your faith in your labor to continue with the burden. I thank God there's things I can look at and I believe that God has answered because of the faith that I have. Because of the labor that I've invested. But I wonder how many miracles we as a church are missing. Because God says, I've seen your faith seen your labor but I haven't seen the labor of somebody else who needs that miracle I haven't seen their faith and friend this morning what a before and after could take place in our church in our lives, in our homes in our nation if Christians would get a hold of what I'm preaching this morning It certainly would be a most unusual day, would it not? To see God work in a way that you never thought He could work.
What is he waiting for? Your labor. What's he waiting for? Your faith. Well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. But God sees your lack of action with the faith you say you have in your heart. This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there is no before and after like the before of a lost man and the after of a saved man. Come to Christ today. If you're here this morning and you have a need, maybe it is a physical need. Maybe it's a spiritual need this morning. God wants to do the miracle. It's in His heart to meet your need. From the picture we've seen this morning, there's somebody out there who would get a miracle if there was somebody willing to labor on their behalf. But I wonder if God would do what needs to be done if He just saw your faith today. He saw your faith. Let's move as the Lord leads us this morning. Father, I pray that